You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. Thank you for the warm welcome. That was so nice. I didn't know so many of you loved me, but I love you too, so thank you. Um, It's been a bit quiet in here so far tonight. And I'm not really a quiet person if you know me. So if you can give me some amens, some hallelujahs, whatever you want, just give me some energy. Thank you. More of that, more energy. I'm not saying it, don't say it for no reason. But where you can, hallelujahs, amens will be much appreciated. So some of you might be wondering, this guy doesn't seem like he's from Coventry. The accent doesn't seem like that of a Cov local. I am not from Coventry. I came here for uni about five, five years ago now. In 2014, I came here for uni. And I've stayed here since. I love Cov. I'm an adopted child of Coventry. And I live here. This is my home. So if any of you are students and are trying to find out, is Coventry a place to be? Come and speak to me. I can sell it to you. So, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll live in Coventry. Um, I now also work here in CLM. I'm part of the team at CLM. Um, I was an intern last year. And um, I'm blessed to now work here full time. So I'm here all the time, which is a blessing. So yeah. Um, for, before I do get into my message for today, who here has enjoyed the, the series we just finished called The Passion for the Presence, by show of hands. Yes, one, you can give it a round of applause. It was a great series. It was great, it was great. And I just wanna encourage us, as you probably heard if you're here in the morning, that we shouldn't allow the end of the series to be the end of us pursuing God's presence. We should have our hearts to continue to pursue him no matter what we're doing as a Sunday series in church. For me personally, it just stoked a fire inside of me to know God is passionate about me and I need to step it up. I need to go after him. Um, because I'm, I'm so in love with the truth in the word that says, as we draw close to him, he draw, draws close to us. So I'm just continuing to now say, I need to go closer to God. So if you weren't here, or if this is your first time here today, I would strongly encourage you to go and listen to the podcast. It was a five-week five series. Even if you were here, I'd say listen to it again, because it was a great series. So, yeah. So, um, moving on to today, um, I'm going to be speaking about following Jesus. And I'll give you my title in a second. But if we're talking about being passionate about the presence of God, then a big part of that is following Jesus. To be passionate for him, we have to follow him. We have to go after him. So I'm going to give you my title. My title for today is Jesus is Calling. Can we say that together? Jesus is Calling. calling. We'll try it one more time. Jesus is Calling. Jesus is calling. So I had another title. I changed it yesterday because it didn't sound cool enough. So hopefully, Jesus is calling sounds a bit cooler. If it doesn't, then you can imagine how rubbish my other title was. But (laughs) Jesus calling is my title for today. Um, And it's based around the um, account of Jesus calling his first disciples. Um, So we're going to be, our focus verse for today, as you can see on the screen, is uh, Mark 1, 16 to 20. Um, And in this time, before I I get us to read it together, um, in this time, Jesus was... um, was going through Galilee and was about to set off on his ministry, um, his ministry on earth, and he was getting ready to call his first disciples. And I wanted to go into that passage today because I believe the Lord wants to say some things to all of us today from that um, that really stood out to me. So if you've got your Bibles with you, whether it's on a phone, a tablet, a laptop, a, Bible, a handheld, whatever it is, if you go to Mark 1, 16 to 20 with me. It's also going to come up on the screen as well if you haven't got a Bible with you. Great. Are we all there? I'm going to assume that if you're not, you can read along on the screen. So if we could read this together, loud and proud, that would be great. So I'm going to start us off, and if you you jump in with me. So, and as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, 
casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I'll make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also were in the boat mending their nets, and immediately he called them. They left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Cool. So some of you might be thinking, what have fishermen got to do with me? Or, oh, by show of hands, do you have any fishermen in here, by the way? Cheese, fishermen at the back. Shout out to him. So he might feel that this is directly relevant to him, but it's relevant to all of us. So you might think, why is he talking about fishermen or fishers of men? And I'm going to do my best to try and explain why I'm bringing us to this passage today. So as I sat down and I had time to reflect on these, on these words, um, I felt some things very clearly that the Lord wanted to share with you guys today. So I'm going to just jump right into my first point, and that is that Jesus calls us all. Can we say that together? Jesus calls us all. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is calling you. And turn to your other neighbor and say, and you too. Great. And then turn to yourself and say, and me too. You can't really turn to yourself, but yeah. Um, So Jesus is calling every single one of us. There's not one person that is out of this call from Jesus. It's an invitation to all of us to follow him. It's not just for the smartest or the ones that have been in church the longest or the grandma that's been in church nearly as long as she's been alive, or the guys that sit at the front row, or the one that looks the the best looking, or the best communicator, he's calling each and every one of us. And that's very important for us to know, because sometimes we can disinclude ourselves and say, okay, I'm just here to warm a chair, or to just be a part of it, or I might even come to church, I'm not even ready to give my life to Christ, because I don't know if he's calling me specifically, but I want to tell you today that Jesus is calling you. And... It's important for us to really get hold of the fact that it's not just people that are doing extraordinary things or people that are gifted, if you will, in, in, in things that are evident. So maybe sometimes someone will see a pastor and say, this person is evidently called by God. He's called, and God's calling him to follow him. But call, God is calling you as well in whatever he's, he's giving you a gift in. And one thing that I find very um, great about this passage is that these were very ordinary men. They're often referred to as ordinary fishermen. There was nothing necessarily special about them. They were just, you know, working class guys, grinding, and Jesus just called them. And I feel like Jesus delights in using people that are ordinary because it makes him look even more extraordinary. Because he is. But when he does a great work for people who are ordinary, it points to how great he is. And if we look at Simon, um, who is more commonly known as Peter, and Andrew, and James, and John, these men were... Like I said, just everyday fishermen. But the interesting thing about them is that they don't stand alone in the Bible as people that God used that were very, very ordinary. There's many, many people that God used that are just ordinary, everyday people. If I, if I could just give us a few examples. If we look at David, he was a small shepherd boy. I wasn't there, but he, he seemed, the description seemed like he was quite a puny shepherd boy. But God used him to defeat a giant. The same giant that everyone else was running from. He used a small boy to defeat him. Why? Because it points to him. It points to God. Everyone can see the glory of God. If you look at Mary, the mother of Jesus, people, um, God used her, a small teenage girl, to be the mother of the Messiah. It wasn't a woman that was known, renowned for being extraordinary or necessarily great, but a young teenage girl, God used her. If you look at Nehemiah, he was a common cupbearer. 
and God used him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. God wants to use the ordinary to do extraordinary things. So if you see yourself, maybe you look at yourself in the mirror or you look at yourself when you get up or people tell you maybe that you are ordinary, that's fine because God still wants to use you. And he's done it in the Bible. He's been doing it since the beginning of time and he's still doing it today. And I thought it would be great to give some more modern day examples because I really want us to grasp this today. Some of you may know of a, of a pastor called Mo Timbo. He's a pastor that leads a church in Hull. Um, if you want to research him, please research him after so I can deliver this point. But uh, Mo Timbo um, was actually a drug dealer. And Mo Timbo went to prison for dealing drugs. And when he was in prison, he cried out to Jesus. He said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to live for you. And he ended up actually getting uh, taken out of prison, but he went back to serve the time that he that he was, he was deserved of. And when he got back inside, the Lord told him he was going to use him. And the prison guards in, in the prison would have looked at Mo Timber like another prisoner, another waste of space, if you will, another drug dealer. But whilst Mo Timber was in prison, the Lord used him to bring 600 men to the Lord. When I found out this story, I was like, what? That's crazy. And not only did, he, did he, the Lord use him to bring 600 men to, to faith, but 30 men were baptized in prison under his leading. And I was like, how could I not have heard of this? I'm sure some of you are thinking the same thing. And this is now a pastor in church in the hall. And this is a man that had a very, uh, a path, that, uh, a path, should I say, sorry, that many people would have written off. And many people in the prison guards, many of the prison guards would have said, this is just an, um, another ordinary guy. And the Lord said, I'm going to use him. And that's the Lord's desire, to keep using the ordinary, to give glory unto his name. Yeah. Another example um, that some of you may have heard of, I'm sure, I'm sure more of you would have heard of, is, is Saul or was, his name was changed to Paul in the Bible. Because some of you might not really struggle with feeling ordinary, but maybe you feel unqualified. Maybe you say, my past is too messed up. Or maybe you say, I've been through too much stuff. Maybe you say, you don't even know what I was doing last night. And the truth is, I don't. But God does. And he still loves you. And he's still calling you. And I know some of us would have been triggered by that, because you know last night you were doing some interesting things. But that is not what is going to stop the law from using you where he's calling you to respond. And if we go into the life of Paul, if you just want a bit of context, if you're not, too, if you're not aware of it, Paul was a persecutor of the church. His, his, his aim was to destroy the message of the gospel and anyone that was fighting for it. And he, was, he, was, he radically encountered Jesus and was saved by him. And then the Lord went, went on to use him to start radically saving others. The Lord went on to use him to write almost half the New Testament. So if you're here and you're sitting here saying, oh, I'm too washed up or I'm too disqualified, then I want you just to go and look at the life of Paul and see that there's no one that's too far written off because by my estimations, if I saw the life of Paul before he would say, that's a, that's a pretty bad guy. I don't think the Lord wants to use him. That's me of little faith. The Lord, use, the Lord will use whoever he chooses. If he can use Saul, whew, he can use anybody. And it's very interesting that Saul or Paul was, went on to be one of the most um, celebrated Christians in, of all time. But he would have seemed to be one that was disqualified in his earlier days. So I just want to remind us that well, no matter where you sit, whether it's feeling ordinary or feeling disqualified or just feeling like you're not good enough, whatever it may be, I want to encourage you that the Lord wants to use you. He wants to use your life. But there's a part that we have to play. We have to make a response like Pastor Esther shared last week, there's certain things in our life or certain wars in our life we can put up to limit the work of the Lord. And we have to say to ourselves, I'm going to put this down so I can let the Lord go to work. But it's something that we have to make a response to do. He's not going to force his way in. 
something that's very interesting for me, I'm, I'm going to give you one more example because I think it really um, shows um, the importance of that Jesus wants to use us all. Um, by show of hands, who in here knows uh, the famous evangelist Billy Graham? Yeah, so okay, I can't see so I can explain a bit more. So Billy Graham um, is one of the most famous evangelists of all time. He's believed to have preached to the most people in history, um, in the Christian faith. And when he was in, when he was in teen years, um, he was turned away from a youth group because he told him he was too worldly. When I saw this, I was like, that's, that's mad. And maybe at the time he was, I don't know. But he was turned away and that could have been a sign for him and said, okay, you know, I'm disqualified, I'm not good enough, I'm just going to step away. If they say I'm too worldly, then I must be. And I use the example of Billy Graham because sometimes it's not necessarily about what we say we are, but it's what others say about us. Others have told you you're not good enough. Others have told you you're disqualified. Others have told you, but, but I know your past. Maybe they don't, but I do. But the interesting thing is that others might say you're disqualified, but God will still want to use you. Billy Graham might have been disqualified to that youth group, but the Lord still used him to, to bring over three million people to Christ. It's, it astonishes me. Many people that, 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 that society write off, the Lord says, I'm going to use you. So I want to encourage you today. I don't know what you're going through. The Lord does, but he's calling you today and saying, I want to use you. I'm calling you, but will you follow me? <clears throat> I'm going to move on to my next point, my second point of today, which is that Jesus calls us to surrender. Can we say that together? Jesus calls us to surrender. Jesus is calling us to surrender our will. He's calling us to surrender our ambition. He's calling us to surrender our five-year plan. He's calling us to, su to surrender our WCW or MCM. If some of you guys know what that is, that's Woman Crush Wednesday and Man Crush Monday. Am I right? right? He's calling you to surrender everything. All the ideologies that you've put up and said, this is what my life's going to look like. I want someone that's six foot tall. I want um, this career. I want this much money by 25. I want to retire by 40. I'm not saying that's not going to be your portion. I don't know. But I'm saying that the Lord's will, he wants his will to prevail in your life. But are you going to surrender your ideology? Are you going to surrender your plans, your, your, your goals, and your, your selfish ambition? For putting it frankly. Um, one that when looking at words, especially when they're linked to something I'm speaking on, I love to look at the dictionary definitions. And uh, the dictionary.com definition of surrender is to yield something to the possession or power of another. So when we're choosing to surrender to God, all we're really saying to God is, here, take control. This is my life, but you, have your way. That's all we're really saying. The world often has very negative connotations of what surrender is. But like I've said in this definition, all we do when we surrender to God is say, God, I want you to take control of my life. And I don't know about you, but the God that created me, the God that knows every hair on my head, the God that created the universe, is there a much better person to me, for me to surrender my life to? I don't think so. But sometimes, or more often than not, we think this is my life. I know what's best. I'm sure. You know? I might as well create myself because I know myself so well. But really and truly, there's a creator that created us for a purpose and he wants to bring it out, but we need to surrender to him so he can bring it to fruition. We can't do it by our own accord or by our own will, but by surrendering to him. I don't know about you guys, because I've experienced, I'm, I'm, I'm only young, I'm only 23. I've said this before, I don't know if I look like I'm 16 to you, but I'm actually 23. <laughs> Hopefully the beard appears soon. But I'm, I'm 23, and I've noticed many a time when I've resisted what the Lord is saying. I know he's speaking. I'm like, Lord, it's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. It's, 
And then it only goes on to be maybe a week later, a month later, a year later, and I find out, Lord, I should have listened. Anyone else can relate? Yeah. This, this happens to me often. And, I, and, I, and I've come to the place and I've understood that it doesn't mean I'm perfect, it doesn't mean I listen all the time. I, I'm trying and I'm, I'm striving to do so, but I've come to a place where I'm like, I just need to listen to God first time. I need to surrender what he's calling me to do. I need to follow what he's calling out of me. If we look at the, the, account, of, ooh, the account of Mark 1, um, especially in um, verses 18 and verses 20, we, when we look a bit closer about Jesus, um, at Jesus calling the disciples, um, we see that when he called them, there wasn't, you know, Mark, Mark tells um, the account of the Gospels very quickly. But from what I see, there wasn't much hesitation. They were ready to go. And that, that really challenges me because I know when God calls me, sometimes I take time to consult kingdom come until I actually say, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready to go. And what really stands out to me here is that, especially with James and John, that they were with their father. And it says that Jesus called them and they left their father and the hired servants and went after him. These were fishermen. They had their own livelihoods. They, they had their own day-to-day trade. But they saw Jesus and they said, you know what? That's cool. That's what I know. But following him is more worth it. But the question is, do we look at our lives and do we see Jesus as more worth following? Or do we see our ambitions as more worth following? Because these men, ordinary men, we didn't hear anything before that they were great men of faith. But they knew, they could see Jesus is more worth following. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to leave the rest behind. James and John, their, their father had hired servants. So it was probably a decent business by the looks of it. That's just an inference I'm making, but it probably was. But they said, you know what? I'm going to leave that. I'm going to follow Jesus. And for me, some of you would have heard me share it before. About two years ago, this, was, this became a real reality in my, in my own life. And I was in my final year of uni, and I was ready. I, was like, I knew what I was going to do after, after uni. I, I studied law at uni, I should say. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do my LPC. I'm going to do my training contract. And then the money will come rolling in. I, was, I knew the plan. I, I, was, I was like, I'm going to take care of my mom this way. I'm going to do this. When this money arrives, I'll do this. Anybody else make plans with money they haven't yet got? <laughs> yeah, I thought it wasn't just me. So I, I, I knew it. I was ready. I was like, in five years, this will happen and that will happen. And then, bang, this is about two years ago. I've been coming here. I gave my life to Jesus when I was in, when I was in um, university. So I grew up in a Christian household, but I hadn't really committed to, to God. So I gave my life to Jesus when I was in university, um, whilst I was coming to CLM and more and more I, I came to church and more and more I came closer to God and I got surrounded in Christ's community. My decisions, my life decisions were shaped by Jesus' leading. I started to follow what he was calling, even though it, sometimes it was begrudgingly, but I couldn't shake it. So it came to the end of uni now and I was like, I don't really want to, um, I don't know what it is, but I don't feel peace about going into law. And I'm telling everyone around me and they're like, mate, you've been doing this for how many years? How much are you in debt? And I was like, yeah, that's true, but I feel no peace. And some of you may know, if you try to explain to a non-Christian, I feel no peace, they're just like, what are you talking about? That doesn't mean anything to me. What do you mean you feel no peace? You're in debt. So I was like, obviously these guys aren't going to listen. So I came to church to seek counsel. I told people where I'm at, telling some of my brothers, telling some of my sisters, and they were like, just keep praying and we'll pray for you. Some of, some of the guys around were here journeying that with me, but I felt strongly, and people were speaking. I felt maybe if I said to some people, okay, I'm not going to do law, they would say, no, study it. They were like, yes, I see the call of God in your life. You should stay here. You should do this. And I was thinking, oh, no. I thought they might leave me back there. So I got to a place where I was like, okay, this isn't going to work. I knew my mom, my mom and my family, when I told them, they were going to be like, what? If you know much about Nigerian families, 
I was about to tell my mum I was about to do a voluntary year with no income and stop my law degree. You can imagine how she was going to react. And I wasn't really ready to face that. But it, as I came and as I, as I sought God more, it became stronger and stronger. I couldn't shake it. But I still wanted all that the, the, the legal path was going to give me. So I faced a crossroads where I was like, am I going to surrender my will? Am I going to follow the will of God? And I didn't know all the, the toughest thing. And one thing that I really want to share with you guys is that when you follow the will of God, you don't necessarily have all the answers. That's not how it works. And I don't want to mislead you in thinking that, that I knew what was going to happen. I knew I'd be standing here today because I did not. But I had peace about it. And I was like, this is, this is what God's calling me to. And any law decree can't compare to what the law can offer me. But that was a big decision I had to make. And I had to say, I'm going to surrender. I'm going to lay this down. And one thing I want to implore you guys to, of, of today and extol you to today is that you need to ask yourself, it might be something in your own life or it might be something that the Lord has put upon your heart. The question you need to ask yourself is, am I willing to surrender? Am I willing to lay it down? Because I'm not by any means anywhere near what I believe the Lord is going to do in my life. But I can tell you guys already that I'm thankful I made that decision. The Lord is shaping me. The Lord is molding me into who he's called me to be. And I sit here sometimes and I think to myself, I know that at some point during this law journey, I would have sat there and said, I made a mistake. I need to go back to church. I would have known. So I thank God that I made a decision then. He's shaping me and he's, he's turning my life around. And I can say firsthand, I'm experiencing what it means in the word where it says we seek first the kingdom of God and all the things we added. He's adding the things that I was going after anyway. But even sweeter. And I want to give you an example of that. So some of you may know I recently got engaged. And yeah. And I've been with Precious. Precious is here today. She's got the camera up over there. So yeah, I've been with Precious since I was in, since I was in uni. And um, for any of you that don't know, initially, when I first met her, my intentions were very impure. And, I, and she wasn't having any of it. And I was chasing after the wrong things. And I was like, you know, if you can't give me what you want, and if I'm just being completely frank with you, I meant I wanted to, um, in all honesty, I wanted to have sex with her. And this was, this, was, this was before I came to know the law. So my intentions and my ways were completely off. And that's what I was chasing after. That's what I was pursuing. Because I thought, this, is, this will be great for me. This, is, this will make me happy. This will fulfill me. All the guys around me will rate me. Right? Now, I fast forward a few years and... Obviously, we're now engaged, but I would have never done that. I would have never walked that way without the, t without the Lord working on my heart, yeah. saying, this isn't the way. Yeah. Love her the right way. Yeah. There's a time and a place for that, but you have to journey first. You have to come after me first. And I started to, to, to seek after the Lord first. She brought me here, and I started to seek after the Lord, because I had no interest in being here. If anyone knows, when I first came here, I didn't like it, because my heart was so hard to the Lord. But he's gone to work in my heart. And I now love him, and it's, his, it's my love for him that has made me love her properly. Love her in the right way. And now I can now say that, praise God, we're engaged, but the Lord has given me something sweeter than I, than I thought I was. The Lord has given me something sweeter than I was going after. But I would have never seen that if I didn't choose to say, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to go after him. Because when I came in there, when I had a hard heart, I had to open my heart at some point. But that was my choice to follow, follow him. And I want it to be clear, like I said earlier, I just want to really, really um, sh um, drum it home that if you feel like there's something that the Lord is saying in your life that you need to surrender or lay down and you feel a bit fearful, that's okay. Fear isn't necessarily a bad thing. But you have to 
what, I'm, what, I, what I believe you need to do is to, to follow the place where the Lord gives you peace, to trust in him. I did have an element of fear. I was like, what is this internship going to look like? Because what happened last year, I should say, is when I was having doubts about what I was going to go on to, eventually Pastor Martin, one of the senior pastors here, he, um, he spoke to me and said, we want to offer you an internship. And I didn't know that, what that was going to look like. And that was a bit worrying for me because I was thinking, I'm going to an internship year, no money's going to come in, and I don't necessarily know what's going to happen. We didn't have an intern program at the time. And I was fearful of that because I was like, what am I going to tell my mom? What am I going to say I'm going to go and do? Like, I'm going to say I'm doing an internship. She said, what are you going to do then? I'm gonna, I don't know, mom. I'm not sure. So that was the tough part for me, but I knew the peace of God was there, so I trusted anyway. And like I said, thank God, in due time, I've now seen that it was the right decision to make. But I, I say that to say that if you have a bit of fear, it's okay. But you need to trust in what the Lord's calling you to do. So I want to finish this point with a, a final piece of scripture from Matthew 16, 24. It's one of, the, one of the scriptures I have to read to myself very often to remind myself why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I'm, why I'm going after God. And I'm not going to um, ask us to go there, but I'm going to read it for us. So it says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So, like I said, this ask to surrender, this ask to follow God isn't easy. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to deny your ambition. You've got to deny your goals. You've got to deny the fleshly things that are, that are desires within you and say, I'm going to lay these down so I can follow Jesus. If you call yourself a, a disciple, a follower of Jesus, you have to deny yourself. God is faithful. He knows what's best for us all. But we have to trust him and surrender. So I'm going to move us on to my final point, um, which is Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. Let me say that together. Jesus calls us to be fishers of men. And similarly to when I first read the verse, you might be like, I still don't fully understand what this means and how this has any relevance to me apart from our fisherman brother at the back. But like I said at the beginning, it is very relevant to you. This call that Jesus made to the disciples is also for us as his disciples. If you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, he's also calling you to be a fisher of men. And... I want to make it clear that Jesus wasn't suggesting that they'd go to, to shore and then at the end of the debate they'll start picking up men. That's not what he meant. But he, he meant that they would go out and they'd win people for his kingdom. They'd bring people towards him. He knew that as they journeyed with him in his time on earth, they'd be captivated by him. They'd realize that he is the Messiah, that he's the son of God. But his heart wasn't for them to only know, but for the world to know. So he was calling them, he was commissioning them that you need to go out and share the love and bring people towards me. Share the good news. Share the truth of the gospel. And people will come towards me. Because the gospel is like bait. When people see it, they're captivated. They're drawn towards it. They want to know more. And Jesus was like, you need to go out there and share my love. Share my truth. And people will come towards me. But I don't know if you ever made, heard the saying, sorry, that people say that disciples make disciples. As the disciples made disciples, those disciples had to make more. And we sit here as disciples today. If you identify as a follower of Jesus, you sit as a disciple. And Jesus' isn't, heart isn't for you to keep it to yourself, but for you to share it with the world. We can't all reach everybody, but we can all reach those in our spheres of influence. And I'm sure if you are a Christian here, you know someone else that isn't a Christian. And Jesus is calling you to be a disciple maker. He's calling you to share his good news. He's calling you to, to share the gospel and let it draw people towards him. 
And I want to point out something very important here where it says Jesus calls us to become fishers of men. Become is a key word because he didn't call them and instantly they were supposed to become fishers of men there and then. It was going to be a, it was going to be a process. And if, I, if I, I'm saying this to you now and if you say, okay, this is nice, but I don't feel like I'm ready to go out and start being a, a disciple maker, being a witness, it's important for me to show you that this is a process of becoming. They became by living with Jesus, by walking with Jesus, by looking to him. And I want to share a few things with us that, that actually help us to become fishers of men. So first and foremost, like I said, like I alluded to, one thing that helped them become fishers of men is that they walked with Jesus. They walked with him daily. They saw him healing people. They saw that he was the son of God. They saw he was the Messiah. They learned from him. They learned how he loved on people. They saw his grace for people. They saw that it was his love that won people over. It wasn't his religious behavior or thinking he was better than others, but his humble nature, his nature of a servant. He saw that's what was winning people over. And for us, similarly, we don't stand in the presence of Jesus as they did, but thank God we have the Gospels. The Gospels, for anyone who doesn't know, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and these are books in the Bible that, um, that share Jesus' ministry and his life and his time on earth. And we can look to the Gospels and we can see Jesus at work. I want to encourage you, if you've never sat down and, and read the Gospels for what they are, I want to encourage you to go home and do so. Because when you see the way Jesus lived, the way he moved, Everything about him, his actions, you will be encouraged and be convicted to walk like him too. And I want to encourage us to walk, walk with Jesus, walk with Jesus in our lives. Live lives that are modeled after his own life. Because that's what they had to do. And that is what's going to help us to become fishers of men. He was the greatest fisher of men. And if we're going to become great fishers of men, we have to look at his example and live like him. Secondly, we have to trust in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was poured out upon the disciples um, later in, in Acts, but we have the privilege right now that as we've come to Jesus, whenever it was in your life, you received the Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives inside of you. What power, what great power. And Jesus said that that Spirit is our friend, is our helper. He's the one that helps. He's the one that's going to give you the boldness to testify that God is good. He's going to give you the confidence and the authority to speak out, even in areas where people may shun you or may look down on you to say that Jesus is Lord and he's transformed my life. It's going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you that sometimes you might go and say something or you might want to share Jesus and you might get a bit timid or a bit scared. But I want to speak from experience that when you go and speak, the Holy Spirit will start bringing things to your mouth that you never knew you even knew. It says in the Bible that the Holy Spirit causes us to remember. And the Holy Spirit, interestingly, sometimes just causes you to remember the wildest things. And as you're saying it, you're saying, Lord, what's coming out of my mouth? I don't even know. But the Holy Spirit is testifying on our behalf. And that's what the Holy Spirit will do. But you have to rest in him. You have to trust in him. You have to build a relationship with him. Sometimes you might, whether it's in church or at home, you hear that, that, that still, quiet voice of God. And I want to encourage you to trust in him. Trust in that voice. Trust in him leading you to go and speak to somebody. Trusting you, leading you to go and encourage somebody or do a, a loving or a selfless act because that might be the thing that brings them to know Jesus. So in, in trust in the Holy Spirit, walk with him. Thirdly, one thing that's so important is that we have to accept that we'll never be perfect. And what I mean by that is that, thank God, one day we're going to see 
Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus in here, one day you're going to see him and be like him. What a, an encouragement. But as we are here on earth, we'll always be broken. We'll never be perfect. There'll always be something wrong with us. And if we allow our limitation, our inadequacies, our imperfections to stop us from ministering to others or witnessing to others, you're never going to minister. Because to tell you the truth, you're never going to be perfect. There's, there's a religious spirit inside of us sometimes that tells us that I have to be the finished product, then I can tell them. I have to have it all figured out, then I can tell them because then they can see Christ in me. But part of them seeing Christ in you is showing them I'm broken, but he's perfect. He's just transformed my life. He's, he's taken me from glory to glory, but I still have my shortcomings. If you try and make a, or bring a facade that you have a perfect life, people probably don't want to come to Christ anyway because it's unattainable for them. But if you show them that I'm not fully there, but he is working in me. He's setting me apart, making me holier every day. Then people will probably see that and they say, okay, I think I can come to the Lord. I think I can trust in what you're saying. I think maybe I will come to church with you. Because I've seen from my experience when I grew up, I grew up in a, in a, very, um, in a church that was very religious. And we carried ourselves in a way that it was a, it was a mask. Luke was talking about earlier today about carrying a mask. And we'll pretend like everything's all gravy, pretend everything's all good, pretend there's no family issues. And the funny thing is that nobody's being healed, nobody's being ministered to, because we're all pretending. We're all faking. But if we at least show to people outside that, okay, I'm journeying with God, he's doing things in my life, but I'm not perfect and I'm not the finished product, people can say, okay, you know, maybe I might take a step in there because I won't feel judged or condemned, but I'll be welcomed. So it's important for us to know that God's not asking us to be perfect. He's just asking us to be obedient. He's asking us to listen and, and follow his call to go and be those that fish for men, fish for people. If you're reading the NIV version, it will say, I'll make you to fish for people. So I want to encourage you that you don't have to feel or go out there thinking, okay, I heard what he said, but I'm not there yet because I've got to sort this, 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 and this out. I want to encourage you that you can go as you are right now. Trust in the Holy Spirit to lead you. And just speak of what the Lord has done for you. Every testimony is powerful. And it's important for us to remember. Sometimes you might have testimonies of people like Mo Timbo and feel, oh, that testimony is just too far beyond. Mine doesn't compare to that. But there's power in the testimony of one life that is transformed. And God can use your transformed life to transform others. But you need to trust in him and you need to allow him to work through you. So I'm just going to invite the band up. And I'm going to um, encourage us around the room to um, bow heads and close our eyes. And I... If you're here tonight and maybe what I've been saying has been speaking to you personally, not my words, but the Lord has been speaking to you. You feel like the Lord is, is personally coming for you and personally directing his, his, um, his call to you. I want to give us an opportunity to respond today. If you're here and you, you know the Lord is calling you to surrender your will to his, to put down your, your, your preference and choose his call. To not only follow him, but to also lead others to him. If that's you today, with every eye closed and head bowed, I want, bowed, sorry, I want to encourage you to, to, to stand up.
believe there's some more of us in here that know it's time to lay down our preference and follow God, follow what he's calling us onto. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that the Lord will help us in that. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you that because of your immense sacrifice, we can come boldly before you. Thank you that you invite all of us into your family, the family of God. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to surrender to your will to lay down our preferences and our plans and to trust in you. I pray we would not be those that keep your great love to ourselves, but will be burdened to share with all those around us and see many lives transformed for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to encourage the rest of us around the room to, to stand up as well. close I'm just gonna I'm just gonna speak a blessing so you position yourself to receive a blessing we speak a blessing over, over us as the people of God God thank you that you love us thank you that your heart is for all of us to not only come to you Lord but to, to be used by you to bring many more to you and thank you that you paid it all for us Lord so there'd be a way for us to come on to you and Lord, I pray that you would put a new conviction in our hearts to follow you. To be used as vessels for your glory. I pray, Father God, that we will not look at our inadequacies or, our, or what we're not capable of or the fact that we may be ordinary, Lord, in the eyes of the world. But I pray we'll trust, Lord, that you have a heart to use each and every one of us. I pray we'll go out of here, Father God, encouraged, emboldened, Father God, to go out and be used to bring your kingdom, to be fishers of men. Lord, show us how Holy Spirit, I pray for an infilling from you. That we would know, Father God, that the, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and will help us and will equip us, Lord. We pray this all in your precious name. And the people of God said,